You're listening to the Collective Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za. The last few months, um, probably the start of this year, actually, have been a pretty challenging few months for the McDonald household. We've had a lot of change and a lot of. Uh, um, uh, uncertainty. Thanks, but uh, <clears throat> we started homeschooling my son, or more actually, and started homeschooling our son. And uh, work has started out quite slowly this year. And you know, on top of this, there's you know we we're coming to an election now, and it's just there's so much information and bad news out there. And it seems like there's just, everyone's just delirious. You know, all of the political parties are trying to just make the other ones look bad and instead of actually standing for something. And also one of the cases that I have been working on has, is, uh, involves large-scale looting and corruption. So, so I've, I've just been in, in, the, in the thick of it, you know. Um, for those of you who don't know what I do, I have a corporate finance business. Uh, help, you know, I'm an accountant, basically. So, but needless to say, I have um, I found myself on more than one occasion trying to fend off this information and this news and everything going around us. And uh, I've been trying not to let the world steal my peace, not trying not to let the world steal my joy. And I can't honestly say that I've succeeded all the time um, it's and anyway so there's a scripture that we quote quite a lot around here proverbs 4:23. it says keep your heart with all vigilance for from it for from it will flow the springs of life that's the esv and the niv says above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it that's what, that's what I've been trying to do. Yeah, but how do you do this? You know, the thing is, a God doesn't just keep everyone out. A God keeps the right people in, lets the right people in, and keeps the wrong people out. You know? And <clears throat> we've got to let the voice of God in. And so uh, we've got to let the voice of God in and guard it fiercely. So I'm, I'm titling this preach, Holding On to the Voice of God. Hold on to his voice. In the Garden of Eden, Adam heard the audible voice of God. He was, uh, he was face to face with his father. But somehow it didn't seem like he really listened to the voice, you know, because he did what he did. And after he sinned, when he, when he heard the voice of God initially, he didn't feel any fear. It was, it was, it was just pure relationship. And then after he sinned, he, he seemed to all of a sudden feel fear. He wanted to kind of cover up and, and that sort of thing. See, the thing is, <clears throat> when we chase away the voice of God, we've got nothing to chase away the fear. And, and that's what we've got to try to hold on to. Perfect love drives out fear. If you're in something, you know, and you really need the voice of God, it really helps when you can hear something saying you can, someone saying you can do it. Your father saying you are strong and courageous. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 
When you hear those things, the fear starts to flee. It's like light and darkness. When light comes, darkness doesn't have an option but to leave the room. <clears throat> Adam forgot, or he was told a lie, that God is not good. But if he had remembered that, I think he would have listened to what God had said. It's in times like we are at the moment that <clears throat> we can never lose sight of how good God is. That has to be a default that, that holds strong and holds true. It has to be a core of us. It has to be a foundation. Like Rog preached the other day about foundations. Perfect love drives out fear. Hold on to the voice of love. See, the thing is, we have to hold on to his voice. But in order to hold on to his voice properly, we have to hold on to his nature. They go hand in hand. Like Adam, if he had believed God was good, he probably wouldn't have done what he did. If he hadn't have like, got sold that lie, he probably wouldn't have done what he did. So in order to hold on to that voice, we have to hold on to his nature. Because when we, when we face a situation and our default isn't there, we could think that some voices or some things that are coming at us are God, and they're actually not. Because a good God wouldn't do some of those things. So holding on to his nature will help us discern his voice. So can I ask you quickly just to, to close your eyes? <clears throat> I want you to picture something with me. Imagine you're at Emerentia in the park. If you don't know Emerentia, it's a huge park, beautiful park with rolling hills and trees and lakes dotted around. You're walking in the park. It's a beautiful day. There aren't too many people around. You're walking along, enjoying the fresh air, the cool breeze, the clear sky. In the distance, you see a lake. And next to the lake, you see a large group of people. As you walk closer, you see that this group of people have just eaten lunch. They've all eaten their full, and there's still a lot of food left. It seems as though someone has really seriously overcated. A thought crosses your mind that it looks quite wasteful. The people are all listening <clears throat> intently to a man speak. You can make out a few words here and there, but it's clear that it's a faith-based gathering. You were so enjoying your walk, and there's a slight sense of irritation in your mind because you were so enjoying the peace and the quiet. All of a sudden, the scene changes slightly. The lake is no longer at Emerentia, but it is the Sea of Galilee. You look closely at the people, and they look Middle Eastern. You focus on the leftover food and you are able to see it more clearly. There are actually 12 baskets of bread and fish. The man speaking is captivating the crowd. There is something different about him. You go and investigate further. So you can open your eyes. <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is that perspective counts for a lot. Let your default be that God is good. 
there's always going to be stuff that you don't understand, you know. And in that story, you were probably sidling with me like, yeah, it's, it probably doesn't help to have that commotion during your walk. But if you were one of the people who arrived just after Jesus had fed the 5,000 and there was tons of food left, would you have thought the same thing? I don't know. Maybe. But if your default was that God is good and that he works all things for our good, works all things for our good, then possibly you wouldn't go there. So I, that's why I'm saying our default has to be his good nature. Our default has to be there first. Because then when you see what God does, it's not going to be clouded by any of our filters of, of, of lies. See, every one of us is going through things right now, at the moment. Whatever it is, everyone's going through something, okay? And what is your perspective on that thing that you're going through? Our point of view is so critical. We have to hear his voice because it brings perspective. It brings, it brings the right perspective. Hold on to his voice. In, in the story of the, of the prodigal son, there's, there's three perspectives. There's the older brother, there's the prodigal son, and there's the father. If you can imagine an eagle and an eaglet, the eagle, the mommy eagle, knows that at some point she has to push the eagle out of the nest because she knows that's the only way he's going to fly. But for the eaglet, it probably feels like his whole world is being destroyed. It probably feels like his family doesn't love him, you know. It probably feels very, very, he's probably full of fear. See, the thing is, we can't actually talk about the soaring without talking about the falling. And I'm really not saying that God creates hardship or anything like that. But he certainly walks with us through every step of the way. He gives us the tools. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. See, over the, over the past few months, as I said, it hasn't been too easy and God has been shifting my perspective. He's been teaching me to hold on to his voice and he's been showing me his nature. And I just want to tell two stories of what, what has happened in the last, in the last few months. Um, I started reading a book by Stephen De Silva called The Prosperous Soul. And he tells a story in the book um, that really spoke to me. He says, he, he tells a story of, there was a, it was about the 15th of the month, one particular month, quite, quite a while ago. And they had $10,000 in their bank account, the church had. Okay, Stephen De Silva is the CFO of Bethel Church. Okay, and the next day, they had to pay, um, or in the next few days, they had to pay missionaries. They have missionary payment commitments, and that was $10,000. Okay? But the only problem is that the following week, they had a salary bill for $30,000, and, and tax on the salaries for another $5,000 that was due the next day. Okay? And, and he's, he's kind of freaking out a bit, and he goes to, to Bill Johnson, and he says, what are we going to do? And Bill says, well, we have to pay the missionaries. <laughs> so he says, but surely we have a commitment to these people that work for us here. Their livelihoods depend on us. Surely we should hold some money back for them. And he says, well, the, the missionaries also depend on us for their livelihood. So pay the missionaries. <laughs> he said, God will provide. So anyway, so they pay the missionaries. And he says he's pacing up and down his office. And he's just 
he doesn't know what to do. And, and in the next couple of days, someone knocks on his door and he says, um, do you mind if I come and chat to you, Steve? So he, he says, sure, he comes in and he says, I don't know why um, you know, I, God told me to do this three months ago, but I, for, for various reasons, I just haven't been able to do it. And he gives him a check for $35,000. Okay. And, and I guess the point is that God knows what we're going through even before we're going to go through it, you know, and he's planning ahead. And so before Stephen even knew that this was going to be a problem, God knew it was, and he was planning away, you know. See, his nature is good. If you go through that situation and you have a default of his nature, you have to trust that he's good because sometimes that's going to feel like a curse if you don't. He is love. So that was the one story that spoke to me. The other thing was that uh, our, our very good American friend, Johnny, was here. You probably mostly met her. Um, she came to church a couple of times. And we went on holiday with her. And in March, at the time when we went on holiday, it was probably the peak of my stress levels. <laughs> and I didn't want to go on holiday. Um, I had been toiling at work, and I kind of felt that the best thing to do was for me to not go on holiday and carry on toiling, you know? Seems very illogical now, <laughs> as I say it, but it was very serious at the time. And, and, and um, anyway, but I can't not go on holiday. We've booked it and everything like that. So I go on holiday, and then I get on holiday, and the place where we're staying has got no cell phone reception. <laughs> so I'm like, I have my own business. I cannot have no cell phone reception, you know, especially at a time like this. But anyway, God had a plan. God was doing something. And during that week when I didn't have cell phone reception, I had a client, um, I had a proposal get accepted, and the client paid the deposit like absolutely immediately. And then I had another proposal to get out during that week um, from other people. So it was, and the first scripture that came to, that came to mind was that <clears throat> scripture from Isaiah where it says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. And... I think we need to understand that his ways are not our ways. So when we apply our own logic to what's happening in our lives, it's not going to make sense. That's, the, that's why we have to default to his nature, being good. Because if I'd have like thought at the beginning, this is a holiday, what a blessing. Oh my word, I'm going on holiday, I'm getting rest when I've had stress. And If I had that kind of mindset, it would have been a different game. But I didn't. And anyway, so... We have to hold on to his voice. We have to hold on to his nature. What is he saying to you now? I don't know how many of you can just say, oh, God's saying this to me now. See, because when you find his voice, we find his perspective. And when we find his perspective, it will challenge our defaults. It will always challenge our defaults. But that's kind of the nature of faith. So some of you might be thinking, though, I'm not even sure how to hear God. And I'm not sure if there's any crystal clear answer anyone can give about that. But what I can say, <clears throat> well, A.W. Tozer has a, has a quote. He says, it's the nature of God to speak. So I would say start by expecting him to speak. Expectation is good, you know. I always get this quote wrong, but... we. You can find him in everything or you can miss him in anything. Did I say it right? <laughs> Did I get it right? <laughs> yeah. So you can find him in anything, in everything, or you can miss him in anything. 
So start looking for God in the places where you wouldn't find Him, where you wouldn't expect Him. Romans, Romans 14 says, um, the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking, but about righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I would say a good gauge when you hear God is that you get peace in your heart. And joy. Start by believing in His good nature. So anyway, coming back to today, elections, all this commotion, all that stuff. Um, what do we do? We hold on to the words, the words that He's spoken to us historically. We remember them. Um, Auntie does an amazing journaling course, but one of the journaling tools or all of the journaling tools, I would say, end in, in the voice of God. It's like you go through everything that you're going through, but you end in the voice of God. And that's the thing that you hold on to. Hold on to what He's speaking over you personally, historically. Hold, hold on to what He's saying to you now. And know that you can hear Him. That's the truth. Hold on to the words spoken over the bride as a whole. Hold on to the truth of the gospel. And be grateful. Be thankful. Thankfulness changes things. Thankfulness changes mindsets. And it chips away at our entitlement. I think about our kids sometimes. They just expect things without actually going through anything. for it. You know? Entitlement. Gratitude breaks that. So I don't want to lie and say that everything should be perfect or anything like that. It's not. Okay? It's not. People love to hear preachers about blessing and promise. And all that stuff, flying high, being the head and not the tail. And that is gospel. That is truth. That is, I'm not saying anything bad about those things. But if you only ever hear that, when the pressing comes, you might feel like you're doing something wrong. You, know? you might feel like, you know, what have I missed? And you haven't missed anything. When our kids fight, when we fight with our spouse, when work is tough, when we all hear is bad news in Kantla, you know. <laughs> anyway, there's a, there's a reality to the pressing. Okay? But God doesn't leave us powerless, like I said. The eagle, he doesn't leave us powerless. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have the body of Christ around us. Okay? And we have prayer. He gives us what we need for life and godliness. So if we hold on to his voice... The journey, and I know that word journey can become a bit cliched, but, um, but uh, I don't have a better word for it. But uh, if you hold on to God, the journey can become an adventure. And if you don't, it may seem like a curse at times. Because His voice brings perspective. It brings encouragement and it brings perseverance. If you know, if you have a, a sound understanding of what God, where God's taking you, then what you go through today has a whole lot less power. You know? Hold on to his voice. John 16, 33, it's like one of my favorite scriptures. It says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Boom. <laughs> See, the thing is, all the greatest stories in the Bible are about overcoming. I actually can't think of like a lot that aren't, actually. Because, they, I mean, think of the pinnacle of which was when Jesus overcame separation between us and the Father. 
If you think about David and Goliath, think about Joshua, they all are overcomers. Okay? I'm going to say, if, if, if you feel like you have a Goliath in front of you, then maybe God thinks you're a David. You know? Side note, T.D. Jakes talks about gifted people. And he says that most gifted people don't realize how gifted they are. So when, so when you measure yourself, okay, like, I don't know, Bach, imagine Bach, he's over here, in terms of musical or composition skill levels. And he's trying to judge himself by his own standards, he's going to seem average. You know what I mean? But if, if you let the voice of God speak into your heart, okay, it's, it changes the game, because you're going to realize, oh my word, I'm not average. You know what I mean? It goes the same for other people in your life that you have, where you, that you have vulnerable relationships with, where they get to speak into your life, they get to speak truth. There's, there's so much value in that. Anyway, so another great example, Joseph. It's a profound story. Most of us will know it. I mean, Joseph is basically like, I guess, he's the youngest the runt of the litter almost, I guess. He's got all his father's favor. Okay, and his brothers know it. <laughs> and he's very immature. He lacks a bit of wisdom in the beginning, you know, because God gives him a couple of dreams that his brothers really didn't like because it involved them bowing down to Joseph. And I don't know who would like a dream like that, but... Um, Anyway, so he tells them the dream, and he adds fuel to the favoritism fire. He kind of like just, oh my word, pushes them over the edge, you know? But they were God's dreams, you know what I mean? Um, they were God's dreams, but he could have stewarded them better, I guess. But anyway, we know the story. He, his brothers get fed up with him. They sell him into slavery. He goes to Egypt, and he gets, uh, he gets put into Potiphar's house, and he gets favor there, but then soon enough... Um, Part of his wife tries to proposition him and he runs away from her. He actually says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So he's, he's holding on to his identity. No matter what's happened to him, he's, he's holding on to who he is. He's holding on to what God has said about him. And he's holding true to his identity. Anyway, he flees. And part of his wife doesn't enjoy that. And long story short, he gets put in jail. Okay, And... Genesis 39, verse 21 says, while, while Joseph was in jail, he says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him his steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And Joseph held on to that voice of love. There's no way that you can feel God's love without hearing his voice. Anyway, so Joseph then in prison interprets um, two prisoners' dreams. I think it was the cupbearer and the baker. I always forget but, and anyway, he gets them right. One of them gets killed, unfortunately. And the other one goes to, back to serve the king, the pharaoh. And, and forgets about Joseph until the pharaoh has a dream. And, and uh, no one can interpret it. And the guy remembers, oh, I remember this guy, Joseph. And so anyway, he goes, gets Joseph. And Joseph interprets pharaoh's dream. And, he's, and, he, and he prophesies about the seven fat years and the seven thin years. And he rises to prominence, basically second in charge of Egypt. Okay? And... And then, uh, you know, years later, um, after the seven fat years are over and the seven thin years start, uh, Joseph's brothers come to, come, to, come to Egypt and, he, and, 
And Joseph is pretty, he's pretty hard on them. I mean, he's, he, he doesn't let, let on that he's their brother initially and, and he kind of detains them for three days. He's not, he's not very easy with them, but he's feeling great. He's, he feels greatly. Every now and then he has to walk outside to weep and then come back and be hard again, you know. But, but eventually he, he exposes himself to his brothers and he says to his brothers, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here to preserve, God sent me before you to preserve life. How's that for holding on to the truth of what God has said to you? He held on to his, he held on to God's nature. He held on to the fact that God had a plan and God was good. And he held on to his voice. It takes humility too, actually. Hold on to his voice. You see, we always have hope. It doesn't matter what we are going through, we always have hope. And there's this beautiful scripture in the, um, Colossians 1. This is the Passion Transla- Translation. It says, There's a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now is, it's being revealed, unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ, embedded within us, becomes a holy, a heavenly treasure chest of hope, filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. <laughs> a heavenly treasure chest of hope. Hold on to his voice of hope. The other thing he always gives us is, like I've said a few times already, he gives us all the tools that we need for life and godliness. He he equips us. There's a story in um, uh, Two Kings, where the king of Israel, Jehoash, goes to Elisha, and and, uh, Elisha's on his deathbed, and Elisha tells um, Jehoash to, he gives him a bow and arrow, and he tells him to to shoot the bow and arrow into the east, um, and and he shoots it into the east, and, and, and Elisha says, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, and you will now completely destroy the Aramaeans at Ephek. At, at so, and then after he's told him to shoot the bow and arrow, he, 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 he says, take an arrow and strike it against the ground. And he strikes it three times against the ground. And Elisha gets angry with him. He says, you should, why didn't you hit it more? You know, because now you're only going to defeat the the, the, the um, Aramaeans three times. And I guess what is, the principle that I just want to take from that story is that the tools were in Jehoash's hands. He had given him everything he needs. You know, he, he, could, he, he, he could have... There's a partnership thing between us and God. It's like he's given us the tools and, he, and we can do what we want with them. You know what I mean? And I guess the other, the other aspect of that story is that the further you pull back an arrow the further it goes. The more tension you put under, it, it, the further it goes. And, and that could be true for all of us. You know? um, and just to have, that, to have that perspective in a tough time is, is, is critical. So yeah, so we always have what we need for life and godliness. We have the perfect team as well the Holy Spirit inside of us, the Trinity. We have our friends around us. So anyway, back to perspective for today. Hold on to his voice. 
What I'm saying is that we are part of his story. We are part of his God's story. Okay? And Ecclesiastes 3 says that there's a time for everything. Okay? A time for every season under the sun. And if, uh, if we had to picture our lives on a timeline, if you just had to picture your lives on a timeline, how much of that timeline would be, uh, would be journey and how much would be destination? You know? and, and I'd be surprised if that much was destination. You know, so, so I guess the only thing I can take from that is that the journey with God is more important than the destination because it involves, it involves relationship. It involves intimacy with God. And he's a relational God. That's why he made us. So, <clears throat> you know, I think, yeah, um, we're always on the journey. We're, our journey now in South Africa, we are part of a story, the selection part of the story. It's, 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 it's almost like the bigger the mess up, the bigger the, the miracle has to be, you know? And, 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 and I can imagine if you were Joshua, where God has told you to walk around the city like seven times, I mean, can you imagine? Like, that sounds ridiculous, you know? So you have to hold on to his voice, you know? His voice, it's his nature to speak. His voice brings perspective. It gives hope and it gives peace. So I just want to ask you guys as I finish um, to, to close your eyes, just have a, have a moment and just say, just look at where you are. Look at your circumstances. Look at the things you're crying out for at the moment and, and bring them before God and listen to what he says. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za.